0: Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode.
1: Because I only take on a select number of people, I make sure now that I vet them. So it's not just about, can you afford it? But are you actually going to do the work? Because I'm one of these people that if I'm investing time in you, you need to be pulling your end of the bargain, which is to actually do the work.
0: Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin.
2: Hello, welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin and I'm here with Anna Geary. Hello! How's everyone doing? (laughs) Thought you weren't going to say hello to everyone then. Another interview this week. So it's Tuesday, that's another interview. And this week we are interviewing Leona, who runs a business called Mums slash Mums in Business International. Um, Leona's an interesting person to interview because she set up Mums in Business, um, I think it was only a few years ago, with her sister, Estelle. And uh, because it was so novel... It, um, it just took off. It exploded massively. But then um, her and Estelle fell out really, really suddenly, and it all imploded. So it's an interesting story in, you know, how do you pick yourself up when that happens? How do you, like, make sure it doesn't happen? What do you do? What lessons do you learn? And I think, actually, it's only fair to say that, um, you know, we've obviously interviewed Leona, so it's only her side of it we've heard. Um, we don't really know the ins and outs. And we did ask Estelle... Um, if she wanted to do a podcast with us, but she hasn't. So, um, you know, obviously there's two sides to every story. Well, there's three sides to every story, aren't there? One person's view, the other person's view, and then probably what's happened in between. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting tale, and uh, Leona's gone on to do some interesting things. So let's get into it.
0: If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe.
1: So I'm the founder of a company called Marketing Business International, and we support female entrepreneurs around the world. In fact, we have a support system for women in over 160 countries at the moment, which is pretty
3: awesome. Um, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them, which is amazing. Me and Anita say all the literally one of the things that we say to our clients all the time is don't be afraid to be niche. The niche are the better. Please be niche. And so many people are so scared of it because they think they'll they'll miss out on something. Whereas you that is totally niche, but although it's niche there's a lot of people that are mums out there. So like you say, 160 countries you're in and thousands and thousands. Of people. <laughs> was it strategic or did it just happen? Did it just evolve? Um,
1: I, think, I think in the beginning it was mums have a specific set of needs um, that most other people don't understand. And it's not that you don't understand if you don't have children, but it's, it is different. And actually speaking from somebody who was brought up by a single dad, I get that, any type of parent has a a set of needs that is different to people that don't have children. Um, So I knew being a mum of five that I wanted to support other mums. And we do have lots of women within our communities that actually don't have children. So we're not exclusive to, but when, you know, when we've been working on our branding over the years, we've gone back to why we actually started and that was to support mums in business. So it's not exclusive to, however, we do, that was our, that was our core focus
3: and still is our core focus to this day. I've been to meetings where um, obviously there's loads of mums there but then there's been like a handful of people that aren't mums and they're not not phased or bothered about that. No,
1: the majority of people don't. What we've tried to do over the years is working on branding that speaks to both mums and non-mums so that they feel included and actually I think there's, you know, we've changed the way we've, we've named some of our groups recently and there was a little bit of confusion around that and some of our leaders actually don't have children or can't have children and so it was you know it was an open discussion between us and the leaders to help them understand why we changed the name to to mums but it was that is the core of our business we we support mums in business and we provide child friendly networking events which a lot of i mean there are very very few companies that actually hold child friendly networking events and even those companies they don't run them in the way that we do we you know i previously built or co-created the fastest growing female networking company in the world and that was predominantly down to the fact that we were child-friendly because there are so many other incredible networking companies out there but they don't allow children and you know if that's right for them that's right for them but for us it was allowing women to understand that if they do have children they're welcome to bring them along and most and most women don't actually most women don't you know before before covid and the pandemic most women didn't want to bring their children they were at school or they left them with grandparents or whatever but it's having that option and I think having that option alleviated a lot of pressure for
3: people um, and also those people that um come along to it even if they choose not to take their kids with them they are perhaps mum so that they when people have got their two year old running around, they understand that because they've been through that themselves. So they're not like looking like, oh God, shut your kid up. They're thinking right. oh, I understand that. I remember that time. I'm glad I'm over it. But yeah, they remember and they they appreciate that as well, which is quite nice. Yeah, they do in I think when
1: you're a mum, you look at other mums who are sympathy. Yeah. You know, I used yeah. to be before I had kids, well, I did have children at 18, but before I had children, I was like, Oh my god, kids and screaming in a supermarket, yeah. that's horrendous. Like sort your kid out. And then i had children, I was like i have so you much sympathy it. for that parent like i do and I, and now make sure that i give the mom that i see like a and nod as if say I it's okay. Okay. It's
3: okay. i remember once i was like stressed out my daughter was only like she was so she was she was in the in the push chair thing so she was obviously about like, like i don't know one and a half two or something and like i remember she she was marrying about something and then i dropped a load of bags and this old lady came up and she was like oh, what's your own darling she helped me with the bags and she's doing a great job and i like went to the car and i was like whoa like just cried and, like i don't cry at things and i was like what's, what's wrong with me but i just thought because she was just so nice at that moment in time that you needed someone rather than you know people just bustle by you she just stopped and she just took the time to go oh you, you're doing a great job you're doing a great job and, and like, that's what's needed yeah like that's
1: what's really strong, needed. yeah I've been to some of our events where you can see the mum is flustered like mm. you know you you can see they're struggling with whatever they're struggling with maybe the baby won't sit still or the baby they've got a tiny baby that's crying and actually I've been to events where our leaders or our head leaders or, you know, Vicky, my GM, she's gone over and just released that mum and had the baby while
3: the mum has a cup of tea or eats the cake. Vicky is great because it's, it's the Vicky's one that I've been, been along to, actually, and I've seen her do that. The kids love her. So it's like, actually, just go along to the meeting and let Vicky babysit the kids and babysit. for you.
2: What's the structure of your business then? Because you talk about leaders and what have you and that you're in all these other countries. Um, so how have you achieved that? What well, How do you kind of run it?
1: Just one part of the business is, our networking events and obviously I have my GM which is Vicky and she's been with me for maybe three years now not in a GM capacity but it, with other roles and then we have heads of countries so those those head leaders they look after their leaders and the leaders are the people that are actually on the floor running the events and it works really very very well we have a very good team culture and everybody supports each other and they're looked after very well and well I like to think so anyway we have lots of fun so there's just a couple of layers of management I like to think of the company as a, a solar system, so that you know it's kind of a, it's not a managerial structure. It's more of a kind of yes, the core is probably me, and then the outer ring is the the HQ team and the leaders. But it's it's more of a one level rather than I'm the big boss and everybody needs to be afraid when I come into a meeting. I mean, they probably do. They're probably like, oh God, leona's in a meeting. What does she want?
3: Yeah. yeah. 2020 has been a very, very different year. How did you cope when um, we were all in lockdown and the actual physical, because a great part of your business, I mean, I've spoken at some of your events as well. And, you know, I've done like guest speaking on LinkedIn and things like that for, for, for them. And so how did you sort of transition from um, not having physical events anymore? How did that work? I bet you still aren't having physical events, are you?
1: We are. So we are in some of our countries, okay. like some of our countries have, have locked down. What was really interesting, I've just come back from the state. i was in the uk i was in the uk for five weeks doing a tour um so i was doing i had 30 something events in 30 days that i was going to and i was still meeting hundreds of people on a daily basis and when we heard of you know covid and we were a bit uh, to be honest i'm very i'm a positive person as i was i'm not even paying any attention i'm cracking on actually was laughing at people I was like you are completely mad like what the heck so I just continued doing our events and I actually had a house in Spain at the time which is where my main base was and I knew that I'd got to go back to Spain in maybe three weeks time so I was like "What? keeping an eye on the news had lots of conversations with the core team and very quickly we decided to shift the events from face to face to online and we, we actually one of the first places we moved was Singapore so Singapore moved online first because obviously covid was very loud over there at this point so it was a very quick decision and we were actually the first networking company that we could find that moved to their events online and um so we transitioned very very quickly and within four weeks everything was online i was back in spain and then i spent three months locked in my house so lockdown in spain was very uh, drastic my children weren't allowed out for almost 14 weeks out of the house it was interesting Them to meet because we just travelled America. They've been driving around America for three months and living the life of Riley. And then, okay, so we're going back to Spain, but you gotta be locked in the house for. 13, 14 weeks and we didn't even have things like duvets so we'd got we'd gone to a new house we had no duvets everything was closed we ended up sleeping with curtains for i don't know how many weeks lots of bonding was done over that time i have to yeah, say know, yeah, just, yeah right you laugh
2: or you cry don't you
1: <laughs> it was a touch and go a lot of the time i have to say um and then in the middle of lockdown i had a massive change in my circumstances i parted uh ways with my business partner and so I'd got COVID and this kind of this scenario of what do I do now? You know, what do I do with my following?
2: What, How do I take this forward? How do I continue with my vision? And this wasn't planned, was it? It was something that happened very suddenly.
1: Yeah, it was literally, I, it was from, uh, you know, things were kind of bubbling for about four weeks until it was, you know, the hand was forced and it was, the Friday a decision was made for me to part ways with the the other person and uh, I just cried all weekend and then by the Monday I had a new company set up so it was it was interesting and it was kind of that really helped me focus I think you know the thought of growing a company to almost £50,000 a month turnover and then going back to, to nothing was oh my goodness if I don't run I'm going to be in severe trouble um Which I did. I ran straight away. So
2: basically you've got the same business structure, you've just had to set that up on your own. Right. And and actually I I didn't
1: I I set it up on my own. I don't have I didn't have a business partner, but I had all of my core team came with me. Um, so I was very lucky because my team stood down in solidarity and we kind of mission focused. Together, um, which was amazing. It was an amazing, it was the most bizarre, sad, awful, amazing experience all rolled into one. Uh, but it's brought us so close. I mean, we were close as a team already, but we're solid as a rock. Um, and it's been great to build a business on my terms. And actually, I never thought I'd say that. I was like all guns in with my other business. And, you know, I wouldn't, if I hadn't. If, had the situation happen i would never have left it was not an option it was not something that i'd ever thought about or ever even wanted to consider but actually it's been the best thing that ever happened to me um all of this happened to me in a long time and i'm really grateful for that situation it's taught me a lot of lessons
2: it's funny isn't it how often something that is devastating turns out to be okay in the end
1: it really has been amazing so and the the opportunities that have come my way since
3: have been exponential. So I'm um, I feel very very blessed. So you're in South Carolina now. Is the plan to try and stay in the states for longer, or well, is it- you can't. So I can't because I'm here on an Esther at the moment. But there are
1: there are conversations in play at the moment with. You know, legal teams and all kinds of people about what the future holds. Me and my husband have had extensive conversations for a while and recently about where we want to be. You know, globally, and it's been it's not a secret that I love the states, and I think there's a lot of work to do here. So we're very established in the UK. We have a great following and a great support structure in the UK. Um, however, I feel that there is huge need here in the states to create infrastructure. I'm also on the executive board for a a non-profit called Hopeful Handbags Um, and there will be lots of things that are folding into each other with between Mib International and Hopeful Handbags so that we can, you know, Hopeful Handbags support survivors of domestic abuse and child and sex trafficking. So there's lots of things that we're doing combined to support those women going forward i mean they do support men of course absolutely but the the majority unfortunately the majority of people that they do support are women
3: kids don't get taught about trafficking and things like that you know at school because my daughter she's 13 well no 14 now and she didn't really know what that was and i was like because um of course there is a place to talk about history and what's gone on before but i was like things bad things happen now like and it's it's almost like it's a not we're not addressing that right now so to be involved in a charity that talks about that it's brilliant so um here
1: in the states it's a it's a bit different i think because the child trafficking is so rife here mm-hmm. that they are educating children more oh, like... in in a school setting than they are in the uk um but again it's it's education isn't it it's education's everything and i just don't, i don't think we talk about those things enough and what i want to do is use our our connections and our numbers we've got lots of followers to be able to educate people on on not just how to grow your social media following but actually the stuff that is really really important like life and you know domestic abuse and you know how to how to get out of sticky situations rather than just the surface stuff which of course is important but for me it's I I feel like the, the business is going to take a little bit of a different Um, a different direction than the direction that we were going in, and that was teaching social media, Um, which, of course, is important. People need to grow their businesses. But for me,
3: life is more than just growing your Facebook numbers. And also, if you've got like um, all these women in one place as well that are going to these meetings, and obviously it's not, you say it's that like 160 countries and it's thousands. It's important for people that are listening to understand that, you know, you may, it's not like you're going along to these huge functions or whatever. When you go to your local meeting, it's it's local, it's with people that are close by to you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have that overwhelmingly thousands and thousands of people. May have like 10, 15 people there. But so if you can have that sort of thread going through about, domestic violence, you know, like that actually you support and you've got your back there, they may, that's the kind of place that they may go and actually open up to someone there and then... I mean, it happens all the time. We've had women that are suicidal and women that are in crazy relationships
1: and women that are going through all kinds of things. So it's become more than just a networking event women aren't just there to grow their businesses they're there to grow connection and relationships too which is really important for me because I believe that businesses are grow are built through relationships gone are the days where we just like you know spray your business card into a pot and hope for the best how many handbags have you got that are full of business cards when you've been to events and you don't you don't connect to those people many. or you go and search them on social media. Like, I, as soon as I get a business card, search me on social media, i throw the business card in the, connect, in the inside yeah. clip. Yeah, yeah, just connect, because and that's the way the world is moving. So for me you know, the the meetings are more than just a card-slinging exercise. They are actually encouraging deeper level of connection.
2: So you say that the networking side is just one side of the business. What else do you have going on that you're working on? So
1: I, we have courses. We've got a membership that's coming up. We have, I obviously have some one-to-one clients that I have for mentoring. I don't, I don't class myself as a coach. Um, I deliberately avoided that conversation and that title. However, I was asked more and more and more to to work with people on a one to one basis, and I only tr- I only work with a few people at a time, just because my main priority is the business. On a on a large scale, is to help women. On a larger scale, and I don't want to deviate away from that. So I mentor a few people at a time, um, although I'm probably oversubscribed at the moment. Everyone seems to come at me all in one go. And there are key products and services. You know, there are things in the works, there are talks of all kinds of things I probably can't talk about under NDAs, but um, there are main focuses. There are main focuses. Our main focus is to empower and support women around the world. And that's and that is the kind of the core of all of what we do
3: yeah, and it's it's nice when you can be so clear on what it is that you do and like you say opportunities to comfort other things come along like the one-to-one sessions and things when you do one-to-ones you're almost like spreading yourself too thick like you say you have to have a limit don't you there's only so many people you can help but if you've got that bigger
2: it's also intense isn't it for both parties you get drained people aren't
1: coming to you when there's something good going on typically they're coming to you when you need to fix something so it's like you know that energy of needing to fix things is, is difficult and actually you know I spoke recently about I'm putting my prices up and I'm putting my prices up because I haven't put them up in two years I need to reflect what my experience is and actually I know that I charge way under what I should be charging so, so
3: it's, you're not only in your mind as well when you have one-to-one clients. Not only are you thinking about your business, all of a sudden then in your mind is all their businesses as well. So a whole series of all different problems that are not just just yours. There are the other ones that are knocking around there. So there's only so much space in there that you that you can have. And like you said, if you care, like, and you only should be doing it if you care. So if you do care, then it, it does suck a lot of energy and time and and uh, you know time that's not about the time that you're on the call, but all the all the all the other times so we were speaking to. Um, like our new business mentor that had this idea of doing um, a bit more on the one-to-one side. And me and Anita were talking and going, I don't know, because because of this reason, because of the um, – just the thinking time that comes between, even if you did a mastermind, say, and it's only going to be, I don't know, every month or something, it's it's the thinking time between because you don't – they're not just like – you're not just there in that two-hour session and then they're dead to you until the next one because you no you have to plan. Them. You have to notice what they're doing on social media as well and be like, "Oh what, what you put that post up there for?" Or, um, "Well, next time, don't put posts like that. Change this to this." Or, "Have you thought about that?" You, you're constantly thinking about them. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's for your sanity. I think when you and also yeah, like you say, if you put the, the prices up, then the people that you are going to be working with will work that's that's the big it's not about you getting more money it's about those people investing that money so that they will do the work if you've if you've paid to make and it's not really that much money you they won't bother can't turn up but if you've paid a lot of money you, you need this thing to work or you really, really- although i have had clients that are, they're so funny like you
1: they pay all this money and then they don't
3: like they're not doing the work i'm like
1: Why would you do? I mean, not for a long time, actually, because I'm quite straight with my clients. And because I only take on a select number of people, I make sure now that I vet them. Yeah. So it's not just about can you afford it? But are you actually going to do the work? Because I'm one of these people that if I'm invested in time in you,
2: and then uh, you need to be, like, pulling your end of the bargain, which is to actually do the work. There's nothing like, you know, getting great results. It makes everybody feel great. And But as a mentor, you can't physically go and do the work for them. So if they're not doing it either, the results aren't coming and you're like, I'm oh, frustrated, so... Yeah, I mean, we constantly say to people, actually, um, most of our clients, in fact, without exception, all of our clients I think we've worked with, we've said, you need to put your prices up because um, so many people undervalue what they do and then the people that buy from them don't value it as much as they should. You don't get the great results, they don't put the work in and it just spirals down instead of spiralling up. So actually charging more is better all round, isn't it? You can do less work, put more effort into it, earn the same amount of money, um, help the person. It's just... A win-win for everyone, isn't
3: it? Before you did all this, you um, worked in, like, you were an actor, weren't you? So you did various different, um, because my background's in performing arts. I didn't, obviously, I've seen some of the things that you've done, not done as much as that. But what, did was it a conscious decision? Was it because of the kids that you needed to move away from that? Or, or are you still going to be doing the acting as well? you still got so- eyes on-
1: always like I'm like a performer at heart I am you can't it's like something that you either are or you're not but I owned a stage school and I was a singing teacher for quite a long time and I did television on and off for about eight years um television pay was going down <laughs> i was going up uh quite regularly we would be you know it's a 14 hour day shooting um and it's pretty intense it's cold it's like not glamorous in any it's way what
2: kind of things were you in leona
1: i did all sorts so i did doctor who publicum
3: Trollid, uh did casualty on and off. Power Watch, Doctor Who, right? Never, I never watched it for years and whatever. And then we, then we Power Watched it all. And now we have this thing like, we want to get into Doctor Who. We want to have a bit part in Doctor Who. So which, which Doctor Who are you in? I couldn't even tell you. So it was
1: when Matt Smith was a doctor. Okay. And um, I, James Corden was in it. So
2: I. What were you? Like a, like a monster alien or? I
1: can't even remember. Probably. I was, I, we, we, we shot in a, a retail store in the middle of Cardiff. I've, I I literally yeah. see the thing is for me television is a job so I would just do the job I turn up and it was something not that exciting I remember I all I remember is I met I met Matt Smith a lot of times actually because we shared the same canteen so when I would work for casualty we shared the same canteen as uh, doctor oh, who oh. and actually we shared the same canteen as all kinds of funky programs so you would get into a canteen at lunchtime and there'd be Matt Smith sat with like Dixie from Casualty sat with some, you know, an Oscar winning director who sat with, I mean, it was just, it was really interesting to watch. And actually television taught me the power of networking. Like to sit back and go understand how people network to grow their acting career was huge honestly, if I could have saved my three and a half years that I did between going to college and drama school and just gone straight into acting, I should have done. Because it wasn't, I mean, the technical stuff really doesn't come into play, especially with television. And once you understand that you've got to, you've got to behave in a certain way, actually, I mean, it was, let me just tell my children to quiet, hang on.
3: <laughs> she is now, by the way, everyone listening in muted us so she's probably shouting at them She's muted a microphone to go tell
2: them it's annoying when you say to your kids i'm just going to do this and then they still just come in you're like
3: that's funny how you muted, how you muted that like, guys I mean, do you know what we we go live, we go live in our membership and i say to the kids i go oh, i'm gonna be on with this live for an hour so just be, you know calm it down for an hour or whatever and then i just start setting up and then they're like running up and down the stairs and i'm like What's wrong with you? Why can't you understand that? I've just said I just need one hour. That's all. To be fair, on a Monday,
1: he's like, I start work really early. And it's like uh, back to back to back training. So he's at this point, he's like, mum, you've done three and a half hours. Like, I've been quiet. Like, what more do
2: you want me to do? Yeah, get? fair enough, I guess. So, what, how, so, yeah.
3: What, what, so yeah, so uh, television, uh, you, you're not got... You're not looking to go back then anytime soon. I wouldn't discount
1: it. And actually, it's something that I would like to pursue over the next few years. There's lots of conversation around documentaries and some good stuff. I would like to direct, actually. So I would be interested in taking a more production role and doing some, some directing. So I actually did ask one of my, when I was in Spain, um, I asked them, I said, what are you filming? Because I want to come and do some like shadowing of your direction. So its I never say never. I would like to, you know, be able to pop in and out of Broadway if I feel like it and do a little bit part here and there. So, yeah,
3: it's on my radar. Before we we've started recording, you mentioned and you said earlier as well that um, you've been homeschooling for three years. So obviously we had all of us in the UK had a bit of a period of homeschooling when the lockdown was going on. But obviously you made that decision to homeschool way before people were forced into it what made you make that decision was it purely based on the the flexibility and the travel aspect or um
1: no so my eldest is autistic and i i naively (laughs) thought that uh homeschooling would help him through a process what i didn't realize is that i should have started three years earlier um and i wish he'd never gone secondary school so but but it's been the best thing because actually, I didn't realize how much waffle kids gets taught, honestly. and oh. and my middle two, uh, my son who's fifteen and my daughter who's thirteen, they both have businesses. And so all of their ed- a lot of their education we fold into business learning. Um, and that's helped them make money. It's helped them build you know good following and their own money because let's be fair like we want our children to be independent well I do anyway like I'm like the bank of mum is not being open and t- forever mm. um and so it's been it's been amazing for that and actually my daughter who is six when she went very very for a very short period of time she went to school they said that she was selectively mute um which I had no idea about she had been I mean, I'd never noticed, and it was only when she started going to school that they said, "You know, have you have you noticed?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> um, there are seven of us, so the, you know she's always talking, and she's always. But I suppose when we were out and about, I didn't realise that she wasn't you know, she wasn't really ordering her own food. We'd kind of just ordered for her and stuff. Obviously, we we quite quickly took her out of school and it's been the best thing for her because she's really savvy. She's really clever, but she doesn't learn in a traditional way. So it was, it's been really beneficial for her to be able to learn in her way. My four-year-old said to me the other day, Mum, I'm going to school today. And I was like, oh, really, are you? He was like packing his little backpack. I don't know where I thought he was coming. But he, um he's very energetic so I think he would probably like school I think when we figure out where we want to be is put him in a forest school um or Montessori or something so it's not a traditional so I don't I'm a little bit out of the box i I you know um I'm a little bit I go against the grain um so yeah we'll just see I mean it's really fluid and I'm really flexible and, and I I semi world school, semi homeschools. So I like to give them experiences. I think children, a lot of children
3: learn through experience. This is what I was explaining to the kids when they didn't like being homeschooled. They wanted to get back to school to, as quick as possible. But I was saying to them, and I've said for a lot for a while, like, I, I think it'd be cool to homeschool. But they they were like, oh no, we want to go back to school. But I said, if we homeschooled, it wouldn't be how it was in lockdown because, like I need said earlier, like you um you know you could go to you actually would be going to places like we could jump on the train to London and hang out at the Apple store and do some of their free learnings there or whatever. You're not actually at home. That's only because of the lockdown that you're actually properly, physically homeschooling in the home. It's a completely different. And, thing.
1: and also homeschool was forced upon people. Nobody was prepared for that. Nobody was ready. They didn't have all of this stuff together. And actually for the first year of homeschooling, quite frankly, I hated it. I thought it was awful because I was trying to, it's nine o'clock, sit down and do your yeah. work and let's sit at the table homeschooling is not that it's nothing like that so it's it's actually it's very very different to what people think it's supposed to be and actually if you ask most homeschooling parents they'll tell you it's nothing like you guys did in in lockdown which is
3: why it, on so- our fridge even now still we've got the um like the uh timetable that my daughter wrote up for us and put it on on the fridge of what our homeschooling day is going to look like and it's so funny because it, it not i don't think I think probably day one looked like that.
2: The hardest bit is trying to stick to your timetable. If you want to chuck that in the bin, then it's, it's way easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, that timetable, it, it quickly comes and guys. In fact, I, I, um, my children are, d- are doing a few classes with something called Outschool, which I don't know whether it's US-based. Uh, but there are children enrolled from all over the world. And, and my daughter's got like a special effects makeup course for the next four nights. And so my son's doing a finance course tomorrow. It's really cool, it's super affordable. And they get to interact with kids from all around the world. Yeah. They're like on a Zoom, it's, it's really interactive. And I was like, actually, and I can interact with the parents. So for me, I was like, great, because I can network with people all around the world, probably like-minded, because their children are homeschooled too. So yeah, it was um, it was a great. It looks like a great platform.
3: In the next 10 years, what? how different is the landscape? I mean, the landscape of working is changing all the time anyway. So, and I, I do like the idea of mine doing their own thing. So to be able to connect and jump on Zooms and be with, not just because you happen to be the same age and live in the same village. That's why you're in the right. class. You know, it's, it's better to be like because of the thing that you're interested in, like your son's doing a finance one, something you're interested in. Actually, those people could be anywhere in the world. Is, is you know, sounds really cool. So
2: you mentioned that you might not be going back to Spain, but you need to think about where you want to be, which is the position that most people would be massively envious of. Like, look at the world. Where do I want to live? How on earth do you even go about thinking about what the decision is and where are you going to be? Are you, have you got any time pressure from the US for that?
1: The only pressure that I've got is myself um so what do I want to do where do I does want your to be husband do I... work
2: in the business as well or does he so do my something?
1: husband my husband's my office manager now so yeah he works for me much to this dismay. but I retired him a couple of years ago after he was really poorly but I bought him out of retirement because I was like I need some help and you're thorough and you're autistic with your ways of thinking so I need an office manager who's like that i'm very lucky i have the flexibility but i didn't always have the flexibility my kids went to school you know i left for school at half seven in the morning so it was a half hour one way uh we did three school trips a day because i had nursery runs and they had 700,000 after school clubs and i had four different kids in four different directions it was manic for a long time exactly. and when I had the opportunity of going I'm not doing that anymore it's carnage I got out very quickly what yeah. I made we made the decision from decision to moving out was six weeks yeah. um and it was like oh, yeah I'm done being living by a timetable and actually we weren't seeing each other we were just running around like a bunch of headless chickens, you know, ticking boxes of, yes, yeah, so you want to be a rugby player, right? You go to rugby and there's you do this and you do this and do this. And it was like, nobody was enjoying anything. Cause it was so rigorous and routine that it was like suffocating. Um, and actually they've loved living a very transient lifestyle where everything's a more relaxed and i think they've learned more as well they've learned they've learnt a lot about the world and experiences and people and places and you know we spent two weeks in the dominican republic recently and it was a massive eye-opener for them because of the poverty there's huge so we did um we did a day trip one day where we went to the butchers i mean it was disgusting but it was like it was really interesting for them to see the way that people prefer prepare food and how they literally will really eat everything from an animal because oh they're gosh, so poor it. and you know they don't have there's flies all over it and there's no cleanliness whatsoever and you know in the uk we're all worried about our masks so they're walking around <laughs> with no masks, flies all over the dinner um kids starving on the streets i mean it was just it was polar opposite for them. And actually, they're both of my eldest, who were like, wow, this is half this world. So it wasn't just, we're going to the Dominican and we're staying in a really nice hotel. Let's just sit there for two weeks. It was, this is education for you and you really need to understand, you know, a little bit about the world. And they saw slums and all kinds of things. It was it was both awful and amazing at the same
3: time reading that in a book is not the same is it you can because you, you're no. detached you're like yeah okay okay get that people are poorer than us and you don't you don't really connect to No. Them. and i i think
1: i am um, quite well educated my dad brought me up to be well-rounded um but honestly i went there and i was like how can people sit in this four-star hotel and do nothing like i was sneaking food to feed the staff because the staff weren't allowed to eat there i mean it's all inclusive i'm like how greedy are these people um and like a plate of chicken wings would make them really happy you think jesus i've yeah an all-inclusive hotel if you don't like something you just leave it don't you or it's you go you trying different food and you're gorging on things and it just made me look at things so differently. I couldn't overindulge. I couldn't like waste any food. I food goes to waste. You think yeah. why wouldn't you just feed the staff? But they're not yeah. allowed to. And they were like, please don't help don't get me caught. And I was like, I won't get caught like I'm a stealth ninja. Yeah. Um, so I was like piling up these plates. They were so excited. This woman was like taking them home to feed her kids and they lived in this little shack with two rooms and, and her kids and her slept in one bed and they found it snake in the bed not that long ago and I'm like what the heck like this is crazy their normal average wage is like 250 pounds a month and that's like a decent wage and I'm like wow that's I mean just the it was it was it was it was crazy and I urge anybody to go to somewhere that is not wealthy to experience that because it does make you see the world in a very different light I'm very driven I'm numbers driven I like to make money I like to scale things I like to see that money coming into the bank but I also know that there's a reason behind why I want to make as much money as possible and that's to create huge impact for people around the world because you know the the world is full of a lot of greedy people yeah a lot of greedy people and there's nothing wrong with treating yourself i'm all up for a designer handbag, and oh, handbag. Yeah. but uh, and so there's nothing wrong with that but it's also understanding that if you do have influence you can create big impact
2: yeah and in a place like that it's the disparity isn't it, between the such poverty and then such waste and wealth and everything and then there's just no happy
3: in between so on our podcast we always ask two questions um one is uh, the first one is obviously where they get savvy club so what makes you savvy i think the reason why
1: i'm savvy is because i listen to my audience um and i think it's a lot it's something that a lot of people don't do um and i think that makes you head and shoulders above most other people because a lot of busy people are busy talking and not listening. Constantly
3: telling our clients, Well, ask your clients. And they're like, what? We're like, yeah, do a poll or ask this or whatever. And it, it makes big difference.
2: We've known people spend months creating different courses and all the modules and all the handouts and things like that. And you're like, well, oh, sell it and then create it. And once you once you sell it, you know people want it. I
1: sell everything first before I create anything. I, I might have an outline. I, in yeah. my head, I might have an outline of what it looks like. And actually, I, I, I will often create on the go. So I might have an outline and I created a structure and the content. And then halfway through, I'm like, do you know what? the audience needs something that's slightly different so we will tailor it as I'm going along and the key principles will still be the same however the way in which I'm delivering or the the content within it might need to change because actually it's not right for that audience and I'm listening to the feedback along the way people don't realize that that's the probably the best way to go about things yeah. I've got yeah. I've got a client who spent a hundred thousand pounds on her on her coaching and um, and and getting qualified, she's amazing. She's probably one of the best coaches in Europe. She's incredible at what she does, but she's created something that she hasn't sold and i'm like we've got to flip the switch here we've got to sell things and then create them so that you're you're making money because at the end of the day if you're a business you need to make money yep, you're not in business if you're not making money
3: the other question that we ask is um for you to recommend a book so it can be a business book marketing book or personal development book of your choice one that
1: recommend. i recommend slight edge i think it's by jeff olson what's that one about it talks about Incremental steps, and and actually, it's not just your big leaps. It's your, is it the things you do habitually that that actually lead to you either being on the success
3: curve, the success curve, or the failure curve. Yeah, because it's just like literally, it's like compound interest, isn't it? Really, that's what it's. I mean, absolutely. When you speak to successful people, it's not like one day something happened and they jumped out of bed and everything. That that was it for them. That was it. It No, over time they had to just you know chip away <laughs> chip away at what they were doing and do t- you know just improve what what they're doing every day by these tiny tiny bits and then it, obviously in the end it, it it does like you say it's going the right way isn't it what is the best way for people to find you then Leona? You know? what um what's the best
1: um, so if you search leona burton or mib international or mums in business international or Moms in business international you'll find us on
3: all social media
0: if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe
3: Awesome. So that was another episode of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. Thank you so much for Leona coming on and being a guest of ours. Really interesting, really interesting to hear as well about um, the way she is managing to bring up five children, homeschooling them all with all different um, needs and journeys and whatever, and uh, doing that whilst uh, traveling around the world, uh, running a global business. Uh, So, That's excellent. So don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, um, screenshot this podcast, put it on social media, tag us in it, and you'll be in with a shot of winning the book that she recommended as well, which was The Slight Edge. And we'll see you all on Thursday. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye.
0: That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.